0: will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am delighted to have Madhu Anziani on the program. Madhu is a sound healer extraordinaire who, after a serious injury, Endured being a tetraplegic, which is paralysis affecting all four limbs. He used sound and energy healing to recover mobility. He has studied jazz and world music and is certified in sound, voice, and music healing from the California Institute of Integral Studies. He is experienced in Sanskrit, Tibetan, and Hebrew chanting, as well as the system of wisdom healing, Shigong. Madhu is also a sanctioned teacher of the Pachacuti, how do you pronounce that, Madhu?
1: Pachacuti Mesa
0: tradition. Love it, say it much better than I do. Of ancestral Peruvian healing arts. Welcome to the program, Madhu. Thank you so much, Marla, it's a pleasure. I I still don't remember how I found you or you found, I'm sure I found you and that just, it just shows me that, that you are we are meant to be together you know to spend some some beautiful time together so i'm really i'm really excited to have you here today
1: yes just chalk it up to the great mystery
0: yes the great mystery yeah um so let's get going how how are things going for you in this world this kind of time of turmoil
1: for me personally i feel very centered
0: yes good
1: And for the first couple of days, I kind of didn't know what to make of it. I felt a a bit discombobulated and it just required some deeper practice. Right. I know how it feels to be in my center and, and I know that everything can flow from that place. And so through doing various chanting practices, that's been a great ally during these times. I feel so centered and I, and I feel a lightness in my being and I feel joy flowing through my body. And I feel very fortunate. All my family members are healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this um, connectedness that's happening even in the isolation process. I've been able to speak with family members that I haven't heard from for some time and right. it's beautiful. And so I'm finding a lot of beauty in my personal life.
0: Yeah. I do think you're right. It's it's a time where people are really coming together. We've been too separate for too long and I think it is it is a, an awakening for for all of us. So so with that said, let's let's get started. So tell us tell us a little bit about your injury.
1: So this goes back to 2009, 11 years ago. I was 23 years old and studying at San Francisco State University. I was also living in San Francisco and I was very close to graduating. I was just a couple of weeks away from completing my schooling, studying jazz and world music, playing guitar. And I had a serious injury where I fell from two stories high mm. uh, in the place that I was living And I shattered two neck vertebrae, C5 and C7. And I was rushed to the hospital and there they performed a 12 hour surgery to fuse my spine together and save my life. Yet I was rendered as a tetraplegic. That is having all four limbs paralyzed. So from the neck down, um, I was unable to breathe. I was on a respirator and unable to feed myself in any way or uh, take in fluids even. So I was in quite a condition that um, it seemed as if I was going to be disabled for the rest of my life, and that was the perspective that I needed to prepare to be dependent on others and live a life in that way and learn how to adapt to it. That was the assumption. Um, But what ended up happening was what doctors called a miraculous healing.
0: And I know that that you felt when you finally came to, because you were in a coma for quite a while, weren't you?
1: I was in an induced coma
0: yes. for, I
1: think, about two weeks.
0: Yeah. And when you awoke, you were able to make little sounds?
1: Well, when I first awoke, I, I couldn't make any sound. I had no voice. I I had a, a, a trach in my throat. Oh, wow. Um, I was on a breathing machine and all I could do was make clicking sounds with my tongue to, to try to communicate if, if I needed a, like a cold damp towel on my forehead. I also contracted pneumonia while I was in this condition in the hospital which was probably the most closest experience I've had to like a hell realm experience in my life where I was totally paralyzed with pneumonia unable to breathe and unable to speak so it was it was very challenging in the beginning and for quite some time the doctors thought i wasn't I, would, I wouldn't have a voice they for some reason assumed i wouldn't be able to speak and the interesting thing was that my doctor was having a conversation with my father about this your son might not have a voice and as soon as he was saying these words I woke from sleep and I said, hi, Dr. Shah. And he turned around and said, what did you say? And again, I said, hi, Dr. Shah. And he, his his jaw dropped and he just looked at my father and he kind of shook his head and left the room. And I had a, a grin on my face and I was in kind of a in-between state of right consciousness because i was kind of going in and out of sleep and consciousness uh, waking consciousness and it was in my sleep states i was having images of walking out of the hospital being okay Uh, i felt a lot of what i consider to be like angelic presence um, comforting me and i had a knowing that I was going to heal and that I was actually going to walk out of the hospital. Wow. And the interesting thing is, is that when I spoke out loud, these words that I will walk out of the hospital, I was told very quickly to not think thoughts such as those that I need to prepare myself to be a good tetraplegic and learn how to live an adaptive lifestyle. And so very quickly, I realized I can't say these things out loud. I'm just going to have to do it and prove to the doctors what my visions were showing me and that I'm going to have a good time doing it and enjoy the process of healing. And so I tried my best to maintain this positive outlook. Um, And it was a challenging journey, one that Mm -hmm. I endured and my whole family endured with me.
0: Wow. Well, I know in our pre-conversation you talked a bit about how you had studied um, Reiki and some other holistic methods with your professor Eric. I think it was Eric Pepper, Mm -hmm. and that you integrate. Well, not only did you integrate, but before, while you were in the induced coma, your dad and your sister learned Reiki. And can you tell us a little bit about that? About that journey.
1: Yes. So as I said, I was studying music in school at San Francisco state university, where they also have an incredible holistic health program, which I was also taking classes in. And I was learning about Eastern perspectives of holistic health, meaning Chinese, Tibetan and Indian Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. As well as the Western perspectives of holistic health, which include biofeedback systems, using the mind, techniques of using the mind and using language to heal the body, which we might call the placebo effect. And this professor, Eric Pepper, had a profound impact on me at that time in my life. Because I was learning these things for the first time, and I was in a way unwinding my mind from previous education of this is how the world is, this is how the world works, and his class was bringing new hope into my worldview. And one of the things that happened in his class that was most influential on my healing journey was he invited an energy healer from Japan named Murumatsu-san to demonstrate his way of doing energy healing on people in front of the class of about 50 people. And so people would volunteer and in front of the class, Murumatsu-san would use his hands to scan their bodies without touching them. He would seemingly pull things out of the body and cut cords, energy cords from the body and maybe spend five minutes only on each participant. And there was one woman, who I will never forget, who after Muramatsu-san performed the energy healing for, she, she stood up and he said, touch your toes. She bent over and touched her toes and she arose and said, oh my God, I have not been able to touch my toes for seven years since that car accident. What did you do to me? And he was just stunned. And by the end of this presentation, Muramatsu-san said, you do not have to be born with a gift in order to do this type of thing. Anybody can learn this way of healing. And the closest thing to what I do is something called Reiki. It was that moment that I declared to myself, I will learn how to do this. I wanna yes. do it. I feel like I've always waited my whole life to see something like this. And as soon as I had that, decla- that, that declaration to myself, when I went out into the world again, it was as if this system of Reiki found me. I, I, I found in situations where I was in a room with people and they started talking about Reiki. And then I asked them about it and they handed me a binder full of notes and the history and the approach of what is Reiki, which is a way of using our hands to direct universal healing energy, the energy that's abundant in the universe that's available to all at all times and how to consciously direct that healing energy for ourselves and for others. So my studies began uh, while I was studying music in college. And I found myself studying with two female Reiki teachers training me how to use my hands for healing myself first and then working on others as well and so i found myself learning by practicing on myself and healing a lot of old emotional wounds through mm-hmm. reiki and it became a, a part of my life i was very passionate about healing myself and then sharing it with others however it was only a few months later that I found myself in my own personal healing crisis with a broken neck and desperately needing to have a miraculous recovery. And yet, what I'd seen of one person's spontaneous healing in that class, in Dr. Eric Pepper's class, gave me a glimmer of hope of the possibility of spontaneous healing. In spite of the extremely challenging condition I saw myself and felt myself in, I knew that miracles are
0: possible. Right, wow. So so tell us while you were in the hospital, what um, your family was doing, what, what you were doing um, to help facilitate this miraculous healing
1: so the first thing as you mentioned my father and my sister were the ones that were physically present they immediately sought out my reiki teachers and said our son is in the hospital and we want to find a way to bring healing to him can can we learn how to do this reiki thing and she said yes i just need to spend an entire day with you and i can give you a reiki attunement and I can show you how to place your hands on your son's body. And then uh, he, my father and my sister both went to receive that training. And then they, every single day, they placed their hands on me when I was unconscious. Um, And that was one of my first memories upon waking was I saw my father's hands hovering above my face and felt this blissful energy before i even opened my eyes i felt this blissful energy And when i opened my eyes i saw his hands hovering there and uh, and my first thought was wow my dad sending me reiki mm-hmm. and then it occurred to me much later i was like wait a minute when did my dad learn reiki <laughs> and then he told me the story that he and my sister went ahead and, and learned so that they could bring healing to me And they did. And one of the other things they did was they knew I was interested in sound healing because I was studying jazz music, but I I also began to be interested in how can the music I create bring healing into the world. I wanted to create meditative music and I began studying other sound healers who are out there. And in particular a man named Jonathan Goldman who not only creates beautiful sound healing music, but he's an author. And I had some of his music on CD, uh, a a track called peaceful journey. And my sister got that CD and began playing it 24 seven in the hospital while I was unconscious and later i remembered hearing the recording in my dream state in the coma state so for me it was proven that when people are in in a coma state they can hear what's in the room and i could hear what was being played and it was so peaceful the recording having sounds of waterfalls and flutes and tibetan bowl sounds so they were administering energy healing as well as sound healing while I was in the induced coma in the hospital.
0: Wow. And so how do you think that happening? And then when you awoke, I know you were, and we'll talk about the mantras in a few minutes, but mantras and the Tibetan prayer wheel and all of these um, amazing things that you were doing. What do you feel it was that, that helped you heal
1: so one of the things that i learned through my reiki training is something called the five principles of reiki so the five principles of healing universal energy and those five principles are just for today i will not worry i will not get angry I will work hard, I will be grateful, and I will be kind to others. What I I discovered is that those five principles, when spoken out loud, when embodied, that's when the universal healing energy flows. Because if if we're in any of those states like worry or anger it's going to stop the flow of the healing energy it just won't happen Mm -hmm. so i knew that while i was in the state of being paralyzed in the hospital there were times when i would worry i would think to myself you know what is my life going to be like my life is over and i knew that that thought would not contribute to my healing if I sustained it for too long. So I would let myself have the thought and grieve and cry, and then I would again return to the Reiki, to the universal healing energy, to the light of healing, and allow that to be my meditation to sustain that awareness through my body so I would just visualize light, I'd visualize Reiki flowing through me. I would find gratitude and I had so much support from my family yes. and my friends. They, they lit me up. They gave me life. They supported me so much. They trusted in the process. And their healing energy was a major contributor, contributor to my healing. I, have, I had many cousins visiting me, many friends. So there's many more elements that contributed to my healing. Um, the recorded music that was being played by my bedside, there were sort of different themes of sound healing. As I mentioned, Jonathan Goldman, his sound healing recordings were very helpful. He has another CD recording called Reiki Chants, um, that was helping sustain that energy Mm -hmm. healing. Um, I would also listen to my favorite music, which isn't necessarily under the, the genre of sound healing, but it made me happy to hear my favorite artist, whose name is John Frusciante, most well known as the guitarist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yes, But it really it's his voice, his singing voice that I, I feel is the best voice there is on the planet. I love the way he sings and what, how he creates music. Uh, it lights me up, and that and that energy of being lit up, whether it's rock music, rap music, any kind of music, if it lights up our spirit, that's going to be healing. So yes. that is sound healing as well.
0: Yes, just raising that vibration mm-hmm. so high. I know, I know. You said um, when when you were getting news from nurses or whomever that you know you would probably never walk again. You just you heard it, but you just didn't let it permeate your soul.
1: Exactly. Yes. Because yeah. I had, I had, I had witnessed something different. I had witnessed, I had already witnessed a miraculous healing occur, and so that gave me proof because I would seen it with my own eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your grandma, because I know mm-hmm. she was a a big force in your life in in terms of spirituality.
1: Oh, yes. I could probably speak of both of my grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Highly influential in my life in the way of teaching me how to love and be loved. I'm so grateful that I, I got to have such loving grandparents. One of my grandmothers is still with us. Mm-hmm. And the grandmother who I'm going to speak of in this context, is no longer with us. She's the one that I had more contact with because she lived so close to me. My other grandma's living in New York, so I don't see her as frequently as I wish I could. But my grandmother on my father's side was a very advanced being. She was a meditator. And what I got to witness from her life, and I discovered that she only began meditating really in her later years, was that she was an advanced being. She had this this type of charm and a grace that would follow her everywhere. Doors would open for her Mm -hmm. and she would meditate. And she had a very spiritual perspective of life. She would talk often about reincarnation when I was a young boy, I would hear her talk about how she has lived many, many times. And she will come again and again and again. And she reassured me. She said to me, when I was a young boy, she said, when I die, when I take my big trip, don't cry for me because I'm always with you. I've always been with you. And I will come again and again. I am forever. And she would say this to me often, almost every time I would see her, I would see her once a week and she would say the same thing over and over. And I would, I would question like, why are you talking about this? (laughs) You're not going to die. And, 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 you know, she was in perfect health. So I was confused. Like, why are you telling me this every time I see you? But I know now what a, treasure it was to have a grandmother like that and how uncommon it is for a young person to have a grandmother who's so willing to speak on death
0: absolutely how beautiful it would be if and i i i really believe that this will be our future where we children don't learn to fear death, but how profound as a little boy to have your grandma just tell you that over and over. And what, what a gift. Yeah. What a, Oh, I'm getting shivers. I mean, what a profound gift for both of you. Yeah. Wow. So when you walked out of that hospital (laughs) what was I know three months later right you were a little jiggly but
1: (laughs) yeah I I had to use the walker but I mean it was a long journey towards getting up on my feet again and learning how to stand without fainting Um, the amount of energy that it takes to be able to sit upright um, to be able to roll over it was excruciatingly painful physically uh, to learn how to move my body again. And it took extraordinary focus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It took so much focus. And this is something that is hard to convey because we take for granted that we can move our bodies. We take for granted that our mind says, wiggle a finger, and it wiggles. But when the spinal cord is severed and your mind, is the one that goes wiggle 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 and nothing happens in the body, there's no movement. It it's such a unique experience where where you you know that this isn't temporary. Like this is just right. this is it. And so my my mind was being initiated. During this time, I feel I was going through what's called a shamanic initiation. In some circles, they would call it that. uh, An initiation into being a healer because I was forced into healing myself, Mm -hmm. um, healing my mind. Because what is the mind to do when it no longer has control over the body? Then what's going on in our head is it's just the mind. And so many thoughts pass through our mind I got to experience what it means to have patience. I got to experience what it really means to slow down beyond anything that I was ever told before. And yes, I did walk out of the hospital. It took me two and a half months. And there were many things that occurred in between where there were daily miracles. The, the first miracle was when I could wiggle my big toe on my left foot. That was the first yeah. sign of life from my body. And all the doctors rushed around my bed and were telling me to wiggle my toe. And when I did it, they, they celebrated. And because that's the first sign that maybe movement will return. But you never know when there's a spinal cord injury. I know people who've had the, had a very similar injury and they are still in wheelchairs. And so I'm extremely fortunate that I have gotten to return to a normal life and have almost 100% of my mobility.
0: Obviously, this has totally changed your life. So tell us a little bit about that because you you just exube is that the word just this like peacefulness and Mm. love and and being in the present and so tell us about how it it has has changed your life and maybe some words of wisdom you can give to listeners that they don't have to go through something like this and they can still make these beautiful changes
1: yes the way that has changed my life is although i had always had spiritual inclinations and a desire to heal myself, heal my family, heal any imbalances that are presented to me. If it were not for this injury, I would never have have dove so deeply into the healing arts. What this gave me was an opportunity to 24 seven search for the best of the best healers, healing modalities, teachers, all around the world. And living in California in the Bay Area is truly a privilege because of how many wonderful teachers are either here or come through here and the type of schools that are available here, like the California Institute of Integral Studies. Mm-hmm. So my life has been changed in the, in the way that I got to study sound healing. I knew that I was going to go deeper into the study of sound healing, energy healing. And it was through that program, which is no longer functioning, unfortunately, but it was run by Sylvia Nakatchi and many other teachers are part of that program. The person who I began studying with as a result of being in the sound healing program, most closely, I studied with a Qigong master. His name is Master Ming Tong Gu. And he is a master of a system called Wisdom Healing Qigong. And it was when I found him I knew that he was going to help me learn how to be in my body and to take me to the next level of healing my body. The process of healing is holistic, meaning it has to include mind, the spirit, spiritual element, which is our multi-dimensionality. We are multi-faceted, multidimensional beings of light, living light. We're not just functioning on this plane, we're functioning on many planes, many timelines, many dimensions, unfathomable. So holistic healing for me has become a process of honoring that aspect, as well as the connection with our Mother Earth, Yes. Now this is the piece of the wisdom that I wish to share from my experience for people who are on the healing path and the healer's journey is that we cannot, we cannot complete our healing without a deep reverential connection to Mother Earth, to the elements of nature, to the mountains, to the water, to the spirit of the air, to the land and to the ancestors that have lived on the land and that are the land, I have come to know that our ancestors are the earth. And that when we love the earth by offering beautiful, graceful, culturally sanctioned rituals, using our, our gifts of song of dance of poetry any heartfelt words that we can speak out loud to the earth spirit and to the elements is the way of communicating across time forward and backward in time and for me it was the discovery of a earth-based healing lineage coming from Peru. This is the Pachacuti Mesa tradition that was brought to me through my teacher, Don Oscar Miro Quesada from Peru, who has brought the healing wisdoms from Peruvian traditions, the ancestral traditions that come from the high Andean mountain regions, as well as the northern coastal regions of Peru, he calls this Pachacuti Mesa tradition a cross-cultural lineage because it is a blend of ancestral traditions. When I discovered Don Oscar, it brought me into this aspect of lineage, a culturally sanctioned lineage where there is the support of the unbroken line of initiates that is passed down through spoken word. And so by receiving teachings through Don Oscar and through his teachers that he has assigned as sanctioned teachers, uh, namely Judy Hoagland, who became my teacher in this Pachakuti Mesa tradition. I received techniques to learn how to tend to an altar ground and to perform these beautiful, graceful rituals, offerings. So this is a long-winded answer getting to this point of how to make offerings to the land of reciprocity. That is what is so needed right now because we cannot do this without the land. We cannot do this without the earth. We need the support of the earth, and the way that we get that is through making an offering, even if it is just our words and breath however a physical beauty offering it could be a pinch of tobacco or a pinch of ash or even just a few droplets of aromatic floral waters this is the act of sacred reciprocity that completes the loop the healing loop for us, human beings, two-leggeds in this world.
0: Yes. Wow. I could listen to you all day. And I'm really excited to share with the listeners that you're going to be my teacher. Mm. And I am doing the apprenticeship. We were supposed to start a few weeks ago, but it's um, we're going to start next week. And I am so... I'm just even more excited now to... To do this, because I've also felt much like you did when before your injury, where I've always had a connection, and and I'm beginning to think of myself as as a healer now. But after a tragedy in my life, it's as if it just broke my heart open, and I have explored, have been exploring, and I feel like that is a part that I am, that I'm so interested in, but I'm not deep enough. I just want to learn so much more. And so I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a wonderful journey together.
1: And as you speak to that, I hear how it's that breaking open. Yes. When life gives us these moments of what we feel as a heartbreak. That's the, the opportunity to begin to learn what it means to surrender. And in the surrendering our heart grows open and then we find this commonality as we grow and live more and meet more people. We we learn about each other and and discover oh like we 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 share this um, yes. this 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 heart wound that is actually just part of the journey that, and, and you know, we'll have, everyone will have their own story. Yes. But it is oftentimes what leads us more deeply to the path of of spirituality and, and self-healing.
0: Absolutely. Well, we, unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for coming on today. It's uh, My heart is just full. And if someone wants to learn more about you and your work and your music, how do they, how do they find you?
1: Two places. One, if, if they'd like to stay current with the music that I have, go to patreon.com slash music. I update that website with offerings and we can stay more intimately connected that way. I also have a website, first was And on that website, you can hear music and other offerings. I try to keep my calendar up to date on that website. And please reach out to me, stay connected because I have a lot of offerings and a lot of music that I wish to share. And i thank yes. you so much marla for having me on this podcast this is the deepest that i've ever gone in an interview <laughs> you're, you're such a joy to connect with and you're oh, my thank heart. you
0: thank you so much and i can't wait to i can't wait to begin <laughs> yes well you have a great evening and thank you so much for coming on the show
1: thank you marla
0: okay Bye. bye